Hi, this is Jason Graves, host of The Blazing Grace Show. I'd like to introduce you to a product that I firmly believe should be used in every home in America. It's called SafeEyes. SafeEyes is the only software you'll need to protect you and your family from inappropriate content on the Internet. Over the last couple of years, I've tried several products and have never found anything as fast, effective, and affordable as SafeEyes. I now only use SafeEyes, and I recommend it to everybody I talk to all over the country. You don't have to take my word for it, though. SafeEyes was recently ranked as the number one internet filtering software by the most well-known product testing company in America, alongside 10 other products. No credit cards are necessary. To start your 15-day risk-free trial today or to learn more about SafeEyes, visit their website at SafeEyes.com or call toll-free 877-944-8080. You'll be glad you gave SafeEyes a try. I know I sure am. That's SafeEyes.com, 877-944-8080. Counselors, business owners, nonprofits, and trainers, you need unlimited flat-rate conference calling? Then call our good friend Tom Parker at Affordable Conferencing, where his teleconferencing service allows you to conduct unlimited calls for one flat monthly fee. That means no more per-minute, per-person charges. Go to AffordableConferencing.com or simply call toll-free 888-968-6186. He saved Jason and Rob thousands. That's Tom Parker at Affordable Conferencing, 888-968-6186. They're proud to bring you today's broadcast. Now it's time for this week's edition of The Blazing Grace Show with your host, Rob McIntyre, Jason Graves, and Mike Janung. It's sponsored by AffordableConferencing.com and SafeEyes. Thanks for tuning in to The Blazing Grace Show, where we cover blazing issues with grace-filled answers. Now, here's your hosts, Rob, Jason, and Mike. Welcome back to this week's edition of The Blazing Grace Show. This is Jason Graves along with Mike Janung and Rob McIntyre. Hello, hey, guys. Hey, hey guys. Jason. What's going on? Mike? Good to see you. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, you're not wearing your Lakers shirt today. No, I'm in mourning because of what happened last year. <laughs> Yeah, you'll be in mourning for a while, I think, the way the Lakers are going. But right, that's right. not our topic today, is but it? But the way the show's going, boy, we've had some exciting shows in the last few oh, weeks. Oh, yeah. Shelly Lubin, former porn actress, great, great material. And then, of course, learning from our ex-spouse of a sex addict. Uh, learned a lot in the last couple of weeks. But today, we're going to be talking about something very personal and close to home. We're going to be talking about the effects a pornography on our own lives, your guests or your hosts here. We're going to be talking about the effects of pornography on our children currently in our country, uh, in our culture. And then we're going to be talking about how to address this problem in our culture, how to get a grip on the porn epidemic in both the church and in our culture. So it's pretty big stuff. Absolutely. And Mike, you know, you've done a lot of research here, and I'm just wondering if you want to just start us off with sharing about how porn crept into your life, what age you were, and just tell us that story. Uh, From memory, I was in my early teens, and uh, my parents had our library in my room, and I started looking at some of the books, and my mom had a a book on breast examination, complete Mm -hmm. with full-color pictures, and Mm -hmm. so I latched onto that and started finding other books my parents had on that had a lot of sexually... um, books with a lot of sex written into them. Mm-hmm. I think The Other Side of Midnight, some stuff like that. 
And then uh, I was a sports nut, a Laker fan, as you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had the, the Sports Illustrated subscription, and the, yeah. as mm-hmm. it does every February, the uh, the swimsuit issue came in, and that just fired my lust, mm-hmm. and I wanted more. And the uh, the local Seven Eleven used at that time had all the Playboys and the penthouses on the racks where you could see them, and I found out that they didn't have a problem selling them to me at my young age, which was illegal. Mm-hmm. So I started buying those, and, and then, boom, I was hooked. Right, right. Now, just for the young people who may be listening today, I like how you gave the definition of pornography for your son. Could you share that with the listeners? The definition, uh, basically, my son right now is 11 years old, and uh, I've been just weaning him along bit by bit and telling him that porn is basically people without their clothes on and that that is not something we want to look at because women are human beings. Mm-hmm. And so we don't want to be uh, violating them by looking at that. And also, it, it's something that's going to be very powerful and enticing. Mm-hmm. That it's going to ensnare us. I haven't told him my, my background with my struggles, but he's only 11 years old, so he's yeah. only able to understand so right. much. And that's a good point. You know, if you're a young person listening, we want to treat people as people, not as objects. And when we just look at them with their clothes off, it you know tends to just turn them into objects. But that's not what we are as human beings, male or female. Um, but and you, you, I really like how you brought that out for your your son to to understand. Um, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about uh, about your story, Rob, because you've got a very different one. And Mike, thanks for sharing because I there's some things in there that I can resonate with uh, that I'll get to when it's my turn. But Rob, why don't you t- share a little bit about what happened with you? Yeah, you know, I uh, accepted the Lord when I was 12 years old, and um, I really had a desire to serve God, and I didn't understand, uh, I guess, the depth of uh, that I was operating in, uh, coming from a broken home, and seeing a lot of, I think, difficult things as a young child, seeing my uh, sister, uh, she got pregnant when she was 13, and there was, there was some stuff going on in the home, and some violence and stuff, but here I was 12 years old, and I really had a desire to serve God got myself involved in a, a good little church down in San Jose, California, where I met the Lord. And so here I was 14, went on a trip with my dad and on the way back got abducted. And I was abducted by a um, a pedophile and he raped me and uh, just about killed me. And I was able to get away. And, uh, and you know, after, after prior to that, I had never struggled with masturbation, never struggled with pornography, had a couple of girlfriends, kissed a couple of gals on a couple of church retreats, you know. Uh, I think it was just pretty much typical innocent behavior up until that point. But after I got abducted, it just seemed to open Pandora's box for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lust and the, the sex drive and, and the masturbation was never an issue prior to that event. And I remember talking to my mom about three years ago, and I asked her, you know, why didn't you give me counseling after I, you know, being 38 years old and realizing I needed counseling for this issue? And, and she said, well, I was afraid of what it would cost me because she had been raped as, as an 11 year old girl as well. Mm. Uh, so, you know, for me, my addiction really started from that point on. And then I realized that also I was looking for approval and acceptance in a broken home in a church environment that, you know, platform ministry seemed to be where you got identity. And I Mm -hmm. happened to have some musical abilities and athletic abilities as well as, you know, I guess I was halfway decent looking. So, you know, I'm trying to play it down, guys. I know I'm really good looking, not really. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and, and so it, it, it kind of fed. And, and as you go on in life, you know, you, you do the things that work. 
mm-hmm. and with all the pain and stuff that I was going through and tried to serve God, but I didn't know how dead I was. And so masturbation and pornography crept in as I got older in my late teens. Mm-hmm. And when I got married and then I had a marriage that wasn't working well, and I didn't understand all the dynamics for that as well. So, you know, for me, it was somebody who was just a little bit of a drinker from some hard things. And, and then as I went on, I started drinking more and drinking more, got into a marriage that wasn't working. And, you know, and I was able to hide it, able to manage it to a certain degree until I got into my first affair about five years after being married. Mm-hmm. And that's when I, I think I became a full-blown addict mm-hmm. as far as uh, affairs and pornography, masturbation and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How critical was it in dealing with that trauma in your recovery? It, it was huge. And and part of it was just as Doug Weiss talks about, you know, taking the bullet out, you know, is there's there's a lot of thoughts, there's a lot of strongholds. I mean, it's three dimensional. You got the physical issue, you got the physical trauma, you got the emotional trauma, you got the spiritual trauma. And dealing with that, I took it holistically out. And that way I could have God come in and do a, a magnificent healing emotionally, spiritually, and physically, just getting over the fact that I don't have to be this way. You know, that thought alone, and for you sex addicts out there, I know that's what you think. I can never change, and you can. Mm-hmm. It, it was huge. It, it was the thing that began to, it, it catapulted me into freedom. Mm-hmm. It really did. Mm-hmm. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Blazing Gray Show. This is Jason Graves, along with Rob McIntyre and Mike Janung, and we're talking about the effects of pornography on our lives on our culture currently in America and what we can do about it. And Mike, I like what you told me yesterday or earlier today, what, what you said to your son, if he should see pornography or pictures of ki- people without their clothes, uh, that he needs to come and tell you. Mm-hmm. And I really love that protection. And Rob, I hope we can hear, because you've got three boys. I mean, I hope we can hear later when we talk about what to do, sure. what you sure. would do and what you have done so far. So. Short of killing a mod well. Right, <laughs> right. Okay. So... I'll share a little bit about my story, and, and mine mine is a little bit distinct in that I just stumbled across pornography. I think I was probably about eight or nine years old, and I found some pornography magazines in the woods near my house, and I think they may have been my dad's because my dad later showed me porno- pornography in our garage one time, and that was a very confusing thing that basically left me feeling like I had permission to look at this stuff. Mm. So I did. I went back to this magazine over and over again, and at one point, I really wanted to become a porn star. I thought... Boy, these people have so much freedom. What they're doing looks like so much you know, fun. And, and I really thought this would be something wow. that I could do in my life. Uh, and then I began to you know, basically misuse myself sexually and allow myself to be misused by other kids in the neighborhood. And I participated in you know, sexually acting out with boys and girls in the neighborhood hmm. at an early age, probably as early as 10 or 11 years old. Wow. And God started to pull me out of this, and it was a process, but I started going to a youth group, and I started to kind of get the sense that I was going to really regret these things, but I still did them mm-hmm. uh, for, for a few more years. And then it was uh, when I was in uh, high school that we had some traumatic things happen in our family that really woke me up, and I started to take a look at these things. But just like you, Mike, you know, there was magazines near my grandmother's house, and I would go down to the store and you know look at them, and uh, people weren't protecting me. You know, they were allowing me to look at these things as a kid. And, right. and so, and then, uh, didn't have much involvement with it in high school and college, but then in, uh, late college, as I started to struggle with, uh, questions about my sexuality in terms of orientation, I started to get involved with gay pornography, you know, videos and things like that. And that was a short time, but it really left an impact on me. 
So then after I got saved at about 21, I didn't have any problem with pornography until about, oh, eight, nine years later when the internet uh, crept into my life and, and all of a sudden out of nowhere I had all this access. So that was about two years of, of steady binging. And uh, boy, I've been free for almost two years now. And I'll tell you what, it's, it's been like night and day. So slowly but surely, the, the appetite is diminishing. Mm-hmm. But it left such a huge impact on me with the, uh, you know, crept into my marriage. I never wanted it in my marriage, but it crept in for a couple months. And, and uh, I really had to, to fight my way out of it. So I'm sure if you're listening out there, you can relate with some of these stories. And, and of course, uh, there is freedom. You know, Mike, you've got strength in numbers groups here right in the Springs and all over the country. Uh, Rob, you know, we've got freedom groups that we do mm-hmm. on uh, a teleconference where you can call in by telephone from wherever you are in the world. Right. And so there is help to get free from this. And there are guys who are struggling with these things. And there are more and more women these days that are struggling right. with pornography. Yeah. Let's talk about that the problem in the country first, though, and, and just the breadth of it. Mike, you've got some interesting statistics here. And I'm, I'm seeing that there's an interesting first one there from about the year 2000, if you want to share that with the listeners. CNN surveyed children, and they'd ask how many had visited an X-rated website. And 44% had visited a website with sexual content. And then 43% of children said they do not have rules about Internet use in their homes. And this was in the year 2000. Listen what happened, folks, two years later. Uh, the London School of Economics in January of 2002 did a, a survey and said 9 out of 10 children aged between... 8 and 16 have viewed pornography on the internet. In most cases, the sex sites were accessed unintentionally when a child, often in the process of doing homework, used a seemingly innocent-sounding word to search for information or pictures. Right. There's I, a- I had that happen to my, my wife. She was doing a search for a cartoon for my kids, and she mm-hmm. misspelled one letter, mm-hmm. and I popped a porn site. Well, it's because a lot of these pornographers are smart. Right. These guys are millionaires, and they disguise their sites... With common brand names, brand names like Disney, Barbie, ESPN, to entrap our, our children. This right. is how vulnerable they are. Mar- uh, Rob, you were going to say something. Well, yeah, I, the, there's a People magazine article 2004 that touched on this and actually did a pretty good investigation. It's April of 2004, and it talked about this. And, and the statistics were almost 100% of the, the teenagers who saw pornography had this, this rush And they talked about some of the young men and some of the young women and the girls were using it to assess their own body image. Right. And the, and the young men were looking at it and this was just part of the article. The other part of the article went into what you're talking about is searching the website and typing in something wrong. But the guys were going into it to find out how they could be sexually like this is normal. And one of the, uh, one of the porn, uh, guys who who does the porn said he wouldn't allow his son to view this as reality, but he felt that he was just giving out entertainment. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's an amazing rationalization. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But that's out there. That's yeah. out there for our kids. Yeah, our kids are very vulnerable. And actually, they are dangerous when it comes to being tainted by this stuff because kids are more impulsive than adults. So they do things when they are tainted by pornography that you or I would never right. think to do. For example, there's an 11-year-old back in 98 who, after looking at violent porn on the Internet for just 20 minutes, uh, immediately uh, before stabbing an 8-year-old little girl to death. 
So this is what they do. I mean, this is what can happen. Right. Uh, and let's when talk, you get somebody I, I, that's, you know, it's like a, it's like a, giving them a loaded right, gun. Right. And, and the, the interesting thing is the brain isn't fully developed until we're 27. Yeah. So the cerebral cortex and, the, and the, the gray matter is not even developed. So these kids just go right to their, the amygdala is the firing part of the brain where it gives mm-hmm. us the impulse. They go right there thinking it's okay. They're not thinking about the consequence. And boom, mm-hmm. here you have these crazy acts. And it's, it's as if the child has ingested drugs mm-hmm. and has no adult supervision around them to help them stop. Right, right. And in truth, they have ingested drugs right. because this stuff triggers endorphins. Right. And so the brain is getting washed with chemicals that they are probably sometimes handling for the first time. And that's right. a lot to ask a little kid. And then you throw the, the impulsive uh, thing in there. And then, you know, the brain stuff, when think about it, a lot of kids don't even understand the difference between right and wrong, real versus right. fantasy. Right. So they don't know that these things aren't really happening. Well, what struck me about your story, Jason, was that you thought that perhaps the porn you found was your father's stash. Mm-hmm. So what kind of message does that give to a kid who stumbles right. across his dad's porn stash? Right. right. Or basically, think about this. Okay, so you've got your parents' computer, and this stuff is on your, par- on your computer. So whose do you think it may be? And yeah, and so yeah. you're looking at it. It's in the kid, the computer. The kids think of it as being in the computer. They don't know often that it's coming. It's being piped in from right. the you know some server out in New Jersey or wherever. And so we have to help them understand and break these things down. So we're going to talk a little bit um, in just a minute about what you can do as parents. But let's get a little bit more breadth on the problem. I mean, I uh, just going with the compulsive thing. Uh, and I've seen kids looking at pornography in the libraries before, but there's a story of a 13-year-old boy in Phoenix uh, viewing porn on the Internet. He then followed a 4-year-old into the bathroom and, guess what, asked this young boy to give him oral sex. Mm-hmm. This just goes to show you the kind of impulsivity that we're dealing with and why it's so important to not only protect our children from the Internet and pornography, and, you know, the Internet is not bad in and of itself. It's a wonderful tool. But the pornography on the Internet is very dangerous. So not only to pr- protect the kids from that, but to protect kids from other kids right. who may have been tainted by the, the pornography available on the Internet. It's interesting. When I worked uh, drugs, you know, worked uh, uh, narcotics, uh, methamphetamine was a real huge issue out in California. Mm-hmm. And I remember I, I was on a radio talk show about how can we protect our kids. You know, and these people were calling in there. They're just adamant. Oh, man, how can I do this? How can I do that? And unfortunately, the issue with pornography is it's not seen as dangerous as methamphetamine mm-hmm. because people don't put into the correlation or they don't look down the road and say, well, you know, um, well, pornography is, is an acceptable means of entertainment, whereas drugs aren't. But we got the same kind of outcome. And, and Jason, you said protection, and I think that that's what we have to do as parents because it goes into one of the things that's on our um, on our list here. Sixty two percent percent of parents are unaware of what their teenagers and their children are looking at. They they aren't even aware that they're looking at pornography. And so awareness is huge. And then also, you know, where we're going to segue in, in in a little later on in the show is is how can we protect our kids? But I, I just realized, you know, it is it is a is a paramount issue for us to begin to start to deal with what what is this going to bring about in our children? Right, right, absolutely, and it brings about death and destruction. That's the bottom right. line. Okay, so if you think your kids aren't vulnerable, listen to this from the Arbitron ratings. This is the Arbitron New Media Study in October '99. 
But it says the majority of teenagers' online use occurs at home right after school when working parents are right. not at home with right. them. So these, you know, there's more and more latchkeys out there, latchkey kids out there these days, and these kids are being targeted by the enemy and isolated, mm-hmm. and then just being flooded with this stuff. Uh, 62% of parents of teenagers are unaware that their children have accessed objectionable websites. So, oh gosh, I mean, we could go on and on with the mm-hmm. statistics <laughs> and with the facts, but I'm really more interested in just spending the rest of the time talking about what we can do, okay? Uh, because the bottom line is in, until we address porn in our culture with the youth, then this epidemic will continue to grow and we'll have to continue to be on the defensive, working uh, reparative measures rather than being on the offensive and right. uh, obliterating this stuff, okay? So what to do? Number one, talk to your 9, 10, 11-year-olds about sex and porn before the world gets to them. Now, Mike, you as a parent of a 9 or of, of an 11 and an 8-year-old, you know that some parents think that this is, wait a minute, talk to kids that age about sex? Speak to that a little bit. Well, we have to. I mean, if, if I don't, then what's going to happen is my, my son's going to find out from some other kid's porn stash, he's going to go to some other kid's house and mm-hmm. see it on TV or on the internet. And so, if I don't get to him first, he's going down. Right. And then I hate to say it, but he's going to be in one of one of your offices <laughs> as a thirty or forty year old struggling, saying, "What do I do to get out of right. this?" Right. Absolutely. So we got to catch him right now. The schools aren't even safe anymore. The public schools are having a real big problem trying to keep uh, filters on the. On the, on the computers that are made available to the kids, they aren't they aren't perfectly safe. Right, they just and aren't. I want to give five steps, um, five things that we can teach our kids. The first one is that teach them that listen, we're going to protect you as your parents. I'm going to protect you, and I'm going to model for you how to protect your kids when you have them someday. And the number one way you can do that is by getting internet filtering software on your computer. Mm-hmm. Listen, you can get it for less than five dollars a month, folks. You can go online to safeeyes.com. Uh, I used to use Be Safe, but now I'm a Safe Eyes guy because they're the number one rated Consumer Reports internet filter on the market. All right. They're awesome. And you can get it for a lower price than what most filters charge mm-hmm. you every year. You only have to pay them one time. Wow. So go to safeeyes.com or call my office for, for a copy. Um, so that's the number one thing. Because when you think about it, you if you had criminals out in your front yard, do you think you would leave the door unlocked so that they could walk in if they wanted to? That's, no. It's ludicrous. Okay, so so you and plus you would stand in the doorway to make sure that nobody could get into your house to harm your children. Well the thing is is that the internet, oftentimes without filtering, has an open door to your children to cause them harm. Remember, most of the pornography on the internet is run by the mafia. So you're letting criminals have access to your children if you're not filtered. It'd be just as if you left the main sewage valve for the city yep. uh, open into your home. Right. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Well, and we're talking about Internet porn, but it's not just the Internet. It's also just regular TV has mm-hmm. so much smut on it. Right. And if you, have a regular, if you have regular cable, if your kid gets on TV at 11 o'clock at night, he's liable to see one of those commercials where they're advertising an X-rated video right. or phone sex service. Yeah. So both the TV and the and mm. our computer can be a pipeline of smut into our home if we don't guard it. We're gonna have to do a show on that. And, all, and the all games together. too. Gosh. So number one, I think number two. Okay, so number one is get a porn filter. Number two is 
teach your kids it's okay to make mistakes and that everybody sins. Right. Okay. Right. And Rob, I'm sure you've had to talk to your kids. Actually, about that. Uh, yeah. It, it, within the last couple of years, I had groups with my sons involved in them, hmm. and uh, it was it was really powerful because what what we found is that the uh, the young men who they even would invite, and it was just this kind of a Bible study kind of accountability for a bunch of guys, and they all admitted that they struggled with pornography, and they all admitted that they struggled with masturbation. And by being accountable and understanding how a walk of purity could make them feel better about their walk with Jesus Christ mm-hmm. was powerful. And uh, But there was, there was a side effect. One of my sons um, actually didn't struggle with masturbation until he became part of this group. Hmm. So it was kind of interesting. He wasn't one of the ones. And so in that aspect of it, I kind of felt like, ooh, maybe I should have kind of um, screened him a little more Mm -hmm. before we got in. So that might be something down the road. But I felt that that was a real powerful tool, though, for a lot of these young men. And a lot of these young men went off to college and did well. Okay. So number three, let your kids know that they will more than likely be exposed to pornography. And when they do, to tell somebody about it, like a parent— and to not keep it secret until it grows into an addiction. Right. Okay. Right. Very important. Number four, be transparent. You know, J- James 5.16, it should be the theme verse for our show. We're always talking about it. Hmm. You know, when you confess your sins to one another, you are healed. Okay. And so it's important to be getting this out there with your safe, caring uh, relationships. We're modeling that by going on the radio with our testimony, folks. <laughs> so listen, certainly you can be real with your kids about what you've experienced and where you've been and model that for them so that they can have a healthy, open, transparent, vulnerable life. And, and they can have the growth that comes with that and that they can pass that on to their own kids. The last one, um, people are human beings and it's wrong to look at, at, at naked images of people. Okay. It's important to treat people, men and women as men and women, not turn them into objects by looking at them when they're in a vulnerable position. It doesn't matter if they wanted to do that or not. We just have a minute left, Mike. Talk a little bit about the fact that, I mean, a lot of these uh, people are submitting themselves to these, uh, this industry. We had Shelly Lubin come on uh, to share her story about being a professional pornography actress. Mm-hmm. What did, what, we learned something very valuable about that. Well, when we look at porn, we're playing into the part of abusing the people right. who are in those pictures. We're mm-hmm. playing... We're a part of the problem and not the solution. We're right. part of the sin and not God's righteousness. Right, absolutely. And on that note, on behalf of Mike and Rob, people who have propagated this pornography industry, I'd like to talk to you parents for just a second and say, I hope you can forgive us. I want to ask for your forgiveness. Because as, as people who have been purveyors of pornography, we have per- perpetuated this problem in our culture. Yeah. It may be just the, there's three of us, but we want to say, I hope you can forgive us. Make sure and do something about this for your kids. And tune in in the weeks to come. We're going to have a CIA agent on and an FBI agent on. They're going to talk about combating this at the uh, the high-tech levels. So thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Blazing Grace Show. We'd like to thank our sponsors, AffordableConferencing.com and SafeEyes.com. Remember, for unlimited conference calling, go to AffordableConferencing.com or call toll-free 888-968-6186. For your 15-day risk-free internet filtering trial, or to learn more about SafeEyes, visit their website. It's SafeEyes.com or call 877-944-8080. That's AffordableConferencing.com at 888-968-6186 and SafeEyes.com at 877 877- 
844-844-8080. If you'd like a downloadable copy of today's broadcast, visit blazinggrace.org. Or if you'd like more information about the show, send your email to Mike at blazinggrace.org. If you need to speak with a therapist, nationwide you can dial Rob McIntyre at 877-593-1166 or Jason Graves at 877-590-7685. That's Rob at 877-593-1166 or Jason at 877-590-7685. We hope you tune in next time for more blazing issues and grace-filled answers on The Blazing Grace Show.